The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. good y'all welcome to in the deep a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast my name is jordan white and i'm joined once again by my good friend and co-host christopher weber otherwise known as schwebzy schwebzy how you doing this week hi friends i'm doing good uh this week for for some reason the first time this uh this regular season i got to guest on another podcast yeah. which is cool I, I felt a little weird i felt like i was cheating on you but uh for for the good for the good of uh exposure and uh, you know, getting the in the deep name out there, I did it. Uh, I, I hope you understand. No, it's okay. I, th- this is an open relationship all the way yeah, through. Yeah, it's totally fine. I, I mean, we're pretty we're pretty open with uh, sharing each other with you're, other podcasts. You're, you're already a, a sister wife to the new Mrs. Schwebzy, so yeah, that makes sense. I'm conditioned at this point. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I did that with uh, Triple Play Fantasy with uh, Dave Mendelson, Mendy, and uh, Doc, and. Uh, Yancey, uh, who uh, you've probably heard us mention a million times because we both have a huge man crush on Yancey. Of course, Uh, the mayor of fantasy baseball Twitter. Yeah, so that was an absolute blast to record. Um, You can go listen to that if you want to hear us talk about the uh, most frequent trade the most frequently traded players in ba- in fantasy baseball this year. And uh, we also talked about which baseball players we thought had the nicest houses. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it was also the nicest bathrooms, which is obviously Albert Pujols. Uh, if you want to hear that along with every other <laughs> meme answer that Schwebzy gave during that section, which I mean, you very clearly won that section of the show. Like it was, it wasn't even close, but if you want to go uh, listen to that again, that's the triple play fantasy podcast with uh, D Mendy and doc uh, two really, really great dudes. That show's fantastic. Really well produced. Uh, go check them out. Obviously you don't need to hear it from us. You probably have heard of them already, but yeah, I mean, it's, it sounded like you guys had a ton of fun. So yeah sick all right uh also speaking of following podcasts if you'd like to follow us uh feel free to uh subscribe and like our podcasts on whatever podcast platform you happen to listen on whether that be spotify apple podcasts stitcher or whatever else uh you just got to search for in the deep fantasy baseball and you should be able to find us there uh if you want to follow us on twitter as well you can follow us at in the deep pl for our shared account for the podcast or individually at schwebzy that's S H W E B S I or Bunt Singles for myself. 
Uh, should we get into it? Let's get into it. Awesome. Uh, so I'm going to lead off by taking an L here right away at the beginning of the episode. You are being too hard on yourself with this. Well, no, I'm not it's, being too hard no. on myself. I just want to make sure that because we, okay, we have spent so much time this season because we've had the the luck and the privilege of being right a fair amount of times and being able to take a ton of victory laps in our little tykes pedal car, beep, beep. Um, but I just wanted to come out right now and say that I was wrong about Jonathan Scope. And he made me look real, real dumb last week. Like literally the day after I told people, hey, you really shouldn't probably pick him up because he's pretty streaky and like, I mean, he could burn you in any moment. And then he just went ahead and hit another two home runs in the same game. No, th- th- that's one way to listen to it. But the way I heard it was he's on a hot streak, so you could pick him up, but you should be cautious. Fair enough. I mean, at any rate, my intention was to tell people to be to be just like very wary of picking him up because, yes, he's a good stopgap option, but I wouldn't like rely on him for steady uh, output at any rate. But he's still been hitting the crap out of the ball in the past week and, yeah, is getting plenty of those counting stats. Uh but something that kind of reminded me of Scope as well is someone else that's been pretty hot lately is uh, Justin Upton, too. Um, I know that, uh, Schwebzy, did you want to... Wait, we were, were we going to talk about him later in the episode or not? I can't remember. We, we absolutely are. This is going to be the second time this season we've talked about him because I'm a big Justin Upton fan. And I don't think I'm going to be saying much new stuff because it's it's really it's just been a, this this is one of those rare times where things have played out kind of exactly how you would have expected them to. But we'll we'll get to that later. Yeah, for sure. But I saw a tweet. It was from uh, Paul Spore, uh, from his Twitter page. That's at Spore. If you'd like to follow Paul, because obviously you're not following him already. But uh, Scope and Upton are kind of in a similar vein where they both go like really, really hard and essentially pop off for like a few weeks at a time. And then all of a sudden we'll just drop off the face of the earth. And Sporer thinks that right now is kind of the start of one of those times for Justin Upton. So uh, he's hit 306, 395, 667 split with four home runs, seven RBIs and eight runs in 43 plate appearances uh, over 10 games ending on June 5th. Uh, so he's really killing it right now. Other thing to note about Upton is that he's been batting leadoff quite a bit lately for the Angels, which is huge. That's a much better spot in the lineup than where he was sitting previously. So, I mean, uh, unlike last week when I was talking about scope, I'm going to say that I do think you should pick up Justin Upton at least for the next couple weeks. And then once he starts showing signs of slowing down, then maybe you can try to just dump him at that point. A way to just say like 50% of what I was going to say later about Justin Upton. What's I'm that? Sorry. What's that tweet? It's like, I've been working on this book for, you know, eight months and he just tweeted it out. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll go a little bit further in depth on Upton later, but slightly. Uh, yeah, slightly. I mean, we've talked about him multiple times before at this point, so it's not like we're going to go back and revisit every single thing that we said about him. It's just basically us reaffirming what has been true about him. Uh, but let's move on to Edward Olivares. Talk about Whiplash, man. Yeah, like, can can we just, like, leave him in one place for just a little bit of time, please? Let, let, let the man play. The man literally did not even get a chance to touch the ground. It's like they turned the plane around, like, midair to get him back to the big league squad. It was absurd. So like he literally, I think he was 
he got sent back for two days before getting called back up because Mondesi got hurt. I, I, I feel like there's a good like Gulliver's Travels pun here, like Olivares' Travels. Can, can we? I, does that work? Does that it I works? Feel like there's also like a uh, an Olimar from Pikmin joke here somewhere too. But listen to us workshop jokes in real time on in the deep. This is the exact thing that everyone tunes in for, anyways. <laughs> But yeah, so they sent him down, I believe it was on Thursday, in favor of bullpen arm Ronald Bolanos. Uh, and then I think, yeah, it was literally like two days later, they brought him back up. So he was going to be able to start uh, today on the day of this recording on Sunday. Uh, and he ended up batting, I think it was fifth or sixth in that lineup. But again, like Mondesi going back to the IL, which is pretty much an encapsulation of everything that's been happening this year that's been bad in fantasy baseball. It's guys just coming on and off the the injured list. Uh, it's been absurd. Oh, I have a better one. Eliezer what? Hernandez being injured for two months, coming back, and then <sighs> running the bases and going on the 60-day IL again immediately. We literally can't have anything nice Ugh. at any point. It's so disappointing. And again, like, uh, please, Universal DH, now. <laughs> Yeah, but like, uh, absurd. Regarding Olivares, I I just picked him up in a league or two. Um, I'm uh, we've talked about it before. We there's some slight power and speed upside, and everyone loves a good you know double digit steal and home run guy in fantasy. Absolutely, yeah. Um, again, like we went over him last week, we're not going to dive super deep on him, but just like also, just I cannot believe how quickly he went up, down, up, down like that it was basically I, he's basically like performing a physical konami code i i want to believe that's good that i want good, to yeah. believe i want to believe that they knew that uh Mondesi was going to go on the il again and they just kind of were doing that for like you know administrative reasons like just to get that reliever up there with Bologna's. just to get an extra arm yeah yeah that totally I, makes sense that's what i that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping they're not just jerking him around like that but yeah yeah but yeah, he went 0 for 3 today. He was 4 for 11 in his first trip up. He had a stolen base. I don't know if he actually had any runs. I don't think he did. No runs or RBIs in his first little stint up. Uh, and then 0 for 3 today. But like honestly, just wait and see with him. I think that he's going to be batting in the middle of that order, probably like 5, 6-ish uh, for as long as he's up, as long as he's in the starting lineup. So, I mean, Olivar is still worth an add, especially in your deeper leagues, like your 15-teamers. Uh, and I think he's going to stick around a bit longer this time than he did last time. So... Uh, moving on to someone that has also been called up recently again, Ryan Jeffers. So I tweeted about Jeffers the other day. He homered in two of his first three games back after being called up. He's currently basically what happened was is Mitch Garver got hurt. He took a baseball to a not great place. Uh, so Jeffers is up to fill in while Mitch takes care of his Garvers. Um, I'm not going to go super deep, but yeah, we're just going to skate right past that. I'm going to keep going. I'm, a, I'm not, I'm not going to go super deep into Jeffers because we took a deep dive on him before the season. The profile is still the same. He's got some pop. And with everyone focused on another hot bat uh, at catcher that we're going to touch on a bit later, he's probably going to have less attention drawn to him. So he's probably going to be pretty easy to pick up. Um, the counting stats are still probably going to be few and far between with Jeffers just because he's not going to be batting high in the order. He'll be anywhere between seventh and ninth in that order, depending on the day, I would assume. But if you're in a two-catcher league, I think he's definitely worth an add as that second catcher spot because he's still going to provide some pop in the time that he stays there while Garver heals up. Yeah, I'm a little bit worried about 
what happens when Garver comes back up. I do think this is a short term thing just because at this point, like the twins just keep calling guys up and eventually Buxton's going to be back and eventually Arias is going to be back. And you you might not think that that would affect Jeffers because he's a catcher. Those guys aren't. But uh, the, the way that the twins shuffle guys around in their outfield, their infield, the DH spot, like it's going to have a cascade effect and reduce Jeffers's playing time or possibly even get him sent back down. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not like he's going to get any DH time either. Right. Right. Cause you're not going to DH him over like Kirillov. Yeah. There's going to be days where, I mean, uh, Fett is another one that's still on the roster there. And then you mm-hmm. also have, uh, Williams Estadio who could also get some time at catcher too, potentially. So he's going to be splitting time a little bit, but I think that out of all those catcher options, he's got the most pop on that team. So I think that he's still worth an ad like in your, again, like 15, 12 to 15, two catcher leagues. Uh, if you need that second catcher spot filled, he's not the worst person to stream in that spot. But uh, yeah, let's scoot on along here and let's talk a little bit about someone that was, I mean, he was, he had a ton of helium early in the season after he had a really hot start and then dropped off very quickly. Let's talk about Jonathan India, Schwebzy. Yeah, this is this is like the, uh, the elastic, just uh, snap judgments that we make in fantasy, kind of a microcosm of that. Uh, because he was a really hot name early in the season and then he slumped and then he got dropped everywhere, including by me and TGFBI, which I'm very upset about right now. But uh, and now he's he's having a hot streak and people are interested again. So uh, I was a really big fan of India at the start of the season. And uh, this was a weird one for me. I'm, I'm normally uh, all about the numbers, but I kind of fell in love with India when I saw one particular like massive dong from him. Uh, he. Uh, <laughs> In phrasing schwebzy phrasing i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> in his past six starts dating back to may 30th he's got four multi-hit games including four extra base hits including two dingers six runs and four rbis and even stolen base we we love steals and after a slump this hot streak has brought his season-long batting average back up to 261 which is you know we've talked about before how low the league batting average is so 261 like mid 230s right yeah 261 yeah. will absolutely play so the six runs is particularly noteworthy because he's been hitting leadoff for the past two games. And, uh, you know, we like that. That's that's a, you know, big uh, indicator for future run potential. So he's got recent productivity, a good lineup spot, prospect pedigree, team obliterated by injuries, uh, lots of boxes checked here for uh, possible production. So what else do we got? Uh, I, I've talked before about my love of rolling charts. Uh, thank you, Scott Chu of PitcherList, for kind of turning me onto this in the off season, and and how important this stuff can be for uh, identifying in season trends. Uh, pretty much everything is trending upwards over the past twenty five, fifty plate appearances. I'm talking, you know, woba, x stats, strikeouts, walks, and you you guys know I love when uh, discipline changes happen. Uh, so pretty much everything I look for is going in a positive direction right now. I was on the India bandwagon before. I still have a share of him in my NL only league. I've I've actually held him all along there. And uh, I would be looking to pick him up as like a middle infielder because I'm a really big fan and I still think there's some upside here. Like uh, doing the research for this, I was watching video of uh, his last couple of dingers, which happened in the last week. And man, like when he puts, he, he can really put a charge into a ball. Yes, he can. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch him over the past few games, especially his contact, uh, his quality of contact has been going up and he looks like he looked 
early in the season, which is always encouraging. So I personally stayed away from him in TGFBI uh, just because I thought that maybe people would spend up a little bit on him, uh, which turned out to be the case. So I'm glad that I kind of steered clear of him. But also, like, if you're just in a league where you have waiver claims, like if you have a need at middle infield, this is a guy that can fill it. He's super great. Uh, it feels like we're kind of coming full circle on a lot of guys like this. Obviously, we talked about Jeffers early on. We talked about India early on. It seems like we're revisiting a lot of people, which I kind of like. It shows like these streaks are all very cyclical in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, we we are very reactive in the fantasy baseball world, and it's a long season, so there's plenty of opportunities to uh, you know go back and forth on a player and change your opinions. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of being reactive, someone that. Got quite a bit of attention in TGFBI bidding as well as just general leagues this week. Uh, Eric Haas. Uh, so he's been featured multiple pieces on both the Pitcher List website and just all over the place. Uh, and although he's only like 3% owned combined, or sorry, 3% rostered, excuse me, uh, between both ESPN and Yahoo, he's not really a big secret at this point due to his insane numbers since June began. So since... June 1st, he's 7 for 19 with 5 home runs, a double, 6 runs, and 7 RBIs. And that's in the absence of Wilson Ramos, who hit the IL uh, about a week and a half ago at this point. Um, It's also worth noting that Wilson Ramos was 1 for 20 as a DH in 5 of the 6 games leading up to his IL stint. And we didn't even see that much, or he didn't see that much of the field since early May. Uh, Haas has also been in a higher average spot in the batting order than Ramos was before he got benched and then eventually put on the IL. So I think the job is very clearly Haas's to lose at this point. So again, checking the box of getting the playing time right there, that's fantastic. Um, while I do think that the upside is capped on Haas due to the sheer amount of K, like strikeout there is in his profile, he's a really, really good second catcher in a two-catcher league. And as a guy that I would kind of compare to someone like Mike Zunino, who strikes out a bunch, but can hit the ball really, really hard. Uh, the biggest difference being that he just takes more pitches than Zunino does. Um, rest of season, I genuinely think that he's probably going to get run at DH even when Ramos is back and he is sitting. Uh, and I think 12 to 15 home runs for the rest of the way is actually in a, like a estimate that's within reason for him as long as he remains the primary option at catcher. Yeah, I mean, I we, we did a bit on... Wilson Ramos earlier in the season. And one thing we talked about was like a massive approach change where he started basically trying to only hit dingers and there was just no way that could have lasted for super long. And, uh, it's, this is a prime prime opportunity for Haas to really take the reins of that, that position. Yeah. And I mean like a heck of a start, like just absurd numbers. It's like a solid had, audition. What was it? Two, uh, two, two home run games since the beginning yeah. of June. Yeah. yeah, just an absurd pace to go at. Obviously not going to keep that up, but I mean, if he can continue hitting the ball hard again, I think that he's going to stick behind the plate even after Ramos comes back from the IL. So I think that he's worth an ad. Obviously tonight, I know a bunch of people spent fab dollars on him. I missed out on Haas, which I was really disappointed in. I thought I had thrown in enough, but he went for like mid forties and then up to like 60 or 70 in some leagues. Um, but yeah. Eric Eric Haas is a new member of Team Schwebzy in TGFBI, and I got him for uh, twenty bucks, I think, maybe twenty five. Just rub, just rub, just rub my nose in it, Schwebzy. Just <sighs> we're actually we're actually going to talk about several new members of Team Schwebzy in my TGFBI team uh, today. 
That's the whole reason we do the podcast is so we can, I can write I, about I the people yeah. we get yep. on our teams. Uh, moving to the person that I kind of sniped a little bit from Schwebzy earlier in the, in the episode, let's talk a little bit more in depth, slightly, slightly more in depth about Justin Upton a little bit. Uh, Schwebzy, take it away here. Yeah. Hi, old friend. Uh, we talked about Upton way back in our position previews, which, uh, if you'll recall, was before the season even started. And he's pretty much doing exactly what we said he would. Low batting average, big power, that's kind of his thing. Uh, but here's an interesting new wrinkle, which is really important and uh, one of the very few things that Jordan didn't mention before. Uh, he's hitting leadoff. He's hitting. He's hit leadoff in 10 of the past 11 games for the Angels, which is really weird. I have heard at least three or four different people mention in the Pitcherless Discord say like this exact phrase, Justin Lupton's hitting leadoff? What? Yeah, absurd. What kind, what kind of Joe Madden nonsense is this? And I, I keep hearing it, and that's because it's a, re- a really weird thing. But uh, since he's been hitting leadoff, though that's a span of eleven games, he's got four home runs, ten runs scored, nine RBIs, and, if, and as mentioned, a fantastic three seventeen, three ninety six, six eighty three slash line, good for a one ninety one WRC plus. That's absurd. That's really good. That's a great line. Ugh. So the lineup spot is due to some injuries. Uh, you know, everyone's dealing with injuries. Uh, Derek Rhodes posted a tweet today mentioning how, like, we're already past, like, 2020's peak in injuries. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's bad. So uh, Jose Iglesias came back from his injury and hit six today. So he's a contender for, like, early in the lineup. And he's been hitting – he hit six today, which is uh, encouraging for Upton's continued presence in that leadoff spot. But – uh, it seems likely that Joe Madden is just going to continue to ride the hot hand. And right now Upton's hands are super toasty. So uh, I was very sure of myself in the off season when I talked about Upton being basically a guaranteed source of cheap power. And that's played out uh, exactly like we said. Uh, there may be some more run upside than there was previously, maybe a little bit less RBI upside just because of this lineup spot that comes with the territory. But that's fine. Like, you know, we're okay with that trade-off. Everyone needs runs and RBIs. If you need one in specific, you know, if you need RBI specifically, it's a little bit of a bummer for you. But, you know, this isn't bad for his overall profile. Back then, I also said that there might be a little bit of batting average upside because in 2019 and 20, he hit 210 combined. And I think we could see something more like 230 to 240. And we're kind of seeing that. Like his BABIP is low. And there's two ways of looking at that. Uh, he hits a lot of fly balls, which means low BABIP, but he also he also hits the bejesus out of the ball, and that can help a BABIP. So we'll see how this winds up uh, balancing out. But the funny thing, and I, I mentioned this to you when we were doing our prep, he's basically doing what we expected Joey Gallo to do. Yeah, you put the side by side up on the stream when we were doing uh, the, all the stream prep. Obviously, oh by the way, I didn't say that at the top. Let me just pop that in here real quick. If you want to join us for Sunday night streams where we're prepping and recording the podcast, just head over to twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy. That's usually around nine p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights. But yeah, you showed me that side by side of them, and it was eerily similar between the two of them, just like the output in general. Yeah, like Gallo walks a lot more because he's Joey Gallo, but yep. other other than that, the the lines are really similar. And like what what was the difference in price there early in the season? That's like 50 or 60 spots at least, at, at least. Yeah, so if you're going to get the same player about I mean, probably maybe even like 100 plus picks later, I oh, would yeah. say. 
I mean, that's always great. You always got to try to find value like that in your uh, redraft leagues. But yeah, this was a good call out from the beginning, Shrubsy. I think this one has panned out quite nicely so far. And again, if he sticks in that leadoff spot, I do think that it bumps up his, obviously his run production is going to be a little bit higher inherently as will his RBI production go down a bit, but a fine trade-off. I mean, this is great for Upton. Hopefully he can keep his hot hand going uh, moving forward. Uh, and now moving from one person who found himself in the leadoff spot to another one that has now found himself back in the leadoff spot, JP Crawford for the Mariners. Uh, so these players, these guys could not be more different. Yeah. Like very, very much polar opposites, except for the fact that they found themselves in leadoff spots unexpectedly again. So, uh, the Jared Kelnick experiment so far has not been going super great, unfortunately, uh, just been really, really abysmal, abysmal. He's been struggling really, really hard. So now between that and then also just the general injuries that have been plaguing the Seattle roster, JP Crawford has found himself back in as the leadoff hitter for the Mariners in their last six games. And he's been faring pretty well over the past 15 days. Uh, as of, it would have been Sunday morning, uh, the morning of the day we record this 52 at bats, 289 average, two home runs, six runs, five RBIs and a stolen base. And that's not even counting today's game where he went 2-5 with two doubles, two runs, two RBIs, and a walk. So he's kind of doing doing good stuff right now. Um, while he does have the stolen base over the past two weeks, they're not likely to be super common. He's only two for four on the year in his attempts. And the RBIs are going to be very, very limited due to bleeding off, just like we pointed out with Justin Upton. Um, he's still going to have plenty of values for scoring runs as long as he can hold off, hold on to this leadoff role. Um and it's especially so since he's been doing a better job of putting the ball in play than at literally any other point of his career. He's got an 84.6% contact rate, which is the highest he's ever had. Um, if he can trend back towards his career walk rate, I think he's at about 8% right now, but he's actually like a 10.5% walk rate guy over the course of his career. He could be like more than serviceable as like a middle infielder for you. Um, although I think that for now, he's probably just a stopgap measure. If you have a slew of injuries and a really barren free agent market in most of your leagues, if you need to fill a middle infield spot in like a 15 team, or I think these more than worthy of an ad and probably a fair amount of starts as long as he sticks in that top spot. Yeah. And, uh, I've mentioned before that a, so something I gravitate towards in fantasy, especially in really deep leagues where at bats are at a premium, uh, something that I gravitate towards is guys who play great defense and are thus guaranteed plate appearances. And that yes. is definitely, uh, that definitely describes JP Crawford. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really have a whole much, whole bunch more on Crawford or anything like that. Uh, let's move right along to, we got a little uh, suggestion from one of our listeners and members of the Twitch chat tonight. Shout out to our good friend here, uh, Shrubzy. Let's talk about Steven Duggar. Yes. So this shout out, uh, well, this suggestion comes from Little Piranha, a member of the Pitcherless Discord and a frequenter of both Nick Pollock's early morning streams and uh, a new uh, participant of our evening streams. So uh, he called out Steven Duggar and my first reaction was, no, why? And <laughs> then uh, I started looking into it and I was like, oh, that's why. Uh, because I, I feel we, we talk about like one San Francisco giant like every single week and it's like a different guy every week. Dude, they have the secret sauce. Literally, we, you were talking about this beforehand. They just really have the secret sauce. They really cracked the code this year. They're, they're, the, they're the new devil magic team. Tune in next week when we talk about Lamonte Wade Jr. But 
so yeah, this week's giant is Steven Duggar. Um, not going to dive too deeply into this one because I don't think that I actually believe in the skills. He doesn't hit the ball super hard. He's really fast, but doesn't run. But he strikes out so much, like so much. It's like, so uh, he's treated a little bit like a platoon bat, but he uh, basically what that like winds up doing to his production is that he hits for average against, so he's a lefty and uh, against righties, he hits for power. He hits for a little bit of average. And then against fellow lefties, he hits for a little bit of average and absolutely no power. But the common thing to both lefty and righty pitchers facing Steven Duggar is that they strike him out a third of the time or more, which is not ideal. That is Joey Gallo, again, dropping a lot of Joey Gallo references here, but that is a Joey Gallo level strikeout numbers. And you don't like that from someone who doesn't hit for a ton of power. But large, very large, but uh, again, phrasing, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Large, but... (laughs) I like I, I like them, but I can <laughs> <laughs> But I cannot lie. Are you kidding me? Oh my god. Do I have to, do I have to turn this podcast around right now? That's not any worse than my scoop there it is from the tweet before every single other person used the same exact line. But That's fair. Anyway, uh the the uh the the reason that we're talking about him is because in spite of these seemingly lackluster skills his per game production is in is, is like really really ridiculous yeah. uh, if you extrapolate his numbers to 600 plate appearances his current production works out to like 28 home runs 105 runs and 98 rbis along with his 304 batting average that's absurd yeah yeah you, and, you can't like it's i uh there's no way that happens over the course of the full season, no, but you really no. cannot deny the production so far. Right. And he's been all up and down the lineup. So it's, it's hard to predict what he's going to do on any given day. There's yeah. not a lot of consistency here. Um, we've said before that we love left-handed hitters in Oracle these days. And wouldn't you know it, Duggar is a lefty in Oracle, but there's a short term bummer here because firstly, he won't be back playing in Oracle until June 14th as the Giants are in the midst of a road trip. And mm-hmm. the, I'll actually be going to one of those games where they play in uh, Washington. But uh, the other downside here is that Duggar is very clearly down the depth chart when the Giants are healthy. So as the Giants injured players start to come back, we could start to see Duggar's uh, role lessen and his opportunities wane. You can't really ignore the production, though. So in deep five outfielder leagues, you have to consider picking up Duggar while he's playing every day and producing these insane rate stats. Yeah, kind of the same thing going back to both like Jonathan Scope and Justin Upton. Ride the hot hand when you can. Look, I'm not going to pull a Jordan and hedge my bets. He's hot. Pick him up. And if he starts being terrible, I never told you to pick him up. Did you hear that like ba-dum ba-dum that just happened? Did you hear that, Trubsy? Because that was you throwing me under the bus. Well, I, I, <laughs> Why do I put up with this week after week? This abuse. It's, uh, it's like it's like I like I said uh, on Triple Play. You are smarter, better at this, and more handsome than I am. So you, you it's just I'm just <laughs> every chance you get, you have to take me down a peg or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's for my own ego. One that's not true. Two. 
there's enough back and forth. We kind of both do that to each other every week anyways. I just try to do mine off the air. I don't try to air you're it too, our dirty laundry on the air. You're too nice. That's Why not true. Talk, talk mean to me about J.D. Davis's hand. I hope he gets better very quickly. <laughs> Same. <laughs> anyways, uh, once again, thank you to Little Piranha for suggesting we yes. talk about Stephen Duggar. Again, if you are listening to the pod and you want to make a suggestion about someone that you think we should be covering that we missed – anything like that, you can reach out to us many, many different ways. Obviously, like I said before, we threw out our Twitter handles and then through PL Plus, if you're a member as well. And then you can join us in Twitch chat on Sunday nights. Also, feel free. We do have an email as well. Uh, we had a few, few people reach out to us. Uh, a gentleman named Nick Bullock, which I just think is actually a Nick Pollock uh, burner account, most likely. Probably. Uh, talk to us about a few things. Uh, feel free to reach out to us there too. It's going to be in the deep PL at gmail.com. If you want to send us any uh, mailbag questions or anything like that. So although I don't think Nick Pollock would refer to himself as daddy, Nick, which this, uh, this listener did do. It's a hundred percent true. Can I explain <laughs> to you how happy that made me? Uh, I've never been so happy. Can we call? Okay. I just came up with a nickname for Nick. So always, always want to hear new nicknames. So for Nick. obviously we call him daddy, Nick Pollock sometimes. Thank goodness he doesn't listen to the podcast ever. So he doesn't have to hear us say that all out. Uh, but at the same time, Nick also admitted this past week, this is going to be an aside for, for like two or three minutes. So if you want to skip this, <laughs> skip forward to like 35, 36 minutes into the pod. This is appalling. Nick Pollock tweeted out earlier this week that he likes his pancakes a little bit runny in the middle. This man said that he likes medium rare pancakes verbatim. He didn't, we're not just saying that as like a classification of what kind of pancake he eats. He literally put in quotes, medium rare pancakes. It's like, you you know how like you pop an egg yolk and it's runny. Like that's how he likes his pancakes. He likes his, he likes his pancakes soft boiled. He likes his pancakes over easy is basically what he is saying. This is the like, person that we work for. It's unbelievable. I, I don't know what I don't know what direction is up and what direction is down anymore. I just I've uh, I've, I've already start I've already started updating my resume. Anyways, okay. Do you want to know what my nickname for Nick is now? Yes. Uh, Daddy Wet Cakes. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that's horrible. So Daddy Wet Cakes, Nick Pollock, um, is his new nickname officially. I've decided that from this point forward, that's what I'm going to call him. You're welcome, Nick. So, so, so much. <laughs> Anyways, moving on from Daddy Wet Cakes, let's talk about one. Actually, this is another person that we talked about a while back. I think it was at the end of April we talked about him initially. So he this is, is just- before this is before he became a meme because for a little bit there, for a good like two, three weeks, like yeah, you like it was a common phrase to hear around fantasy baseball Twitter that you got gombered. Yes, and yeah, we went. Over Austin Gomber before he became a meme, essentially, at the end of April, we talked about him, I think, when he had a string of pretty good starts ahead, and he's had a couple decent showings over his past three starts. One was less than spectacular, but he's had two quality starts and two wins over that time, and he's pitching really, really well at home. Um, It's also worth noting that he has a really, really solid schedule coming up, so his next start should be away at Miami, which is a pretty good matchup, and then two... Well, then there's a start at home against, uh, let me see here, uh, Padres. There we go, which is not necessarily the best one to go with. But then two more starts against Milwaukee, one away and one at home. 
I think three of those four starts, I'm kind of fine running Gomber out there just to see what happens. Right? I, I picked him up in more than one league, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I think it's an absolute slam dunk if you want someone to stream over the next few weeks. So the Miami stream is especially tasty because they've really struggled to get on base against lefties more than most teams this year. They ranked literally dead last in ex-Woba against lefties this year. And then Milwaukee, notably, also ranks 23rd in the same category. So three pretty good streams right there. It's also worth noting that all three of his secondary offerings have a CSW of over 30% so far this year, which I was not expecting when I checked back in on him because I really honestly had not looked at uh, Gomber since we talked about him at the end of April. That's kind of great. Yeah, no, that's that's a decent number for a single offering, but to have that across all three of his secondary pitches, that's a really nice like spread for his repertoire. And he throws like all of his secondaries at least 15% of the time, at least so far this year, that's what he's done. So he's, I mean, comfortable throwing pretty much everything. Um, It also has pushed his overall CSW to over 30, which is in the range of being like very, very good. Um, But yeah, like I said, he's been mixing his arsenal to pretty great effect. And I think that he's actually gotten pretty unlucky away from home. Like it's absurd. His home ERA is like 1.33 and his away ERA is in the fives, which when you think he's pitching at home in Coors, that should be the absolute inverse, right? Like you don't expect that from someone who pitches in Coors for half of their starts, but he's been pitching really, really well at home. Um, But I was like looking at some of the home runs that he's given up and some of them were pretty absurd. Honestly, there was like a back foot slider that was well off the plate to James McCann that McCann somehow got around on. He gave up a home run on a fastball, the Jack Flaherty that was off the inside of the plate, which is like he dropped the barrel and just happened to run into it, which was pretty crazy. And then there was another like really, really good uh, knuckle curve that he threw at the uh, in a start against uh, Justin Turner that Justin Turner just got into somehow. I really don't know. They didn't really feel like mistake pitches. He seems like he's commanding all of his pitches really well and putting them where he wants to. Um And I think the unluckiness that he has is somewhat reflected in the difference between his actual and expected ERAs. So his actual ERA is 4.12 and his XERA is 3.48. So a little bit of unluckiness there. Um, Also, beyond just like everything that I mentioned, he's sitting right now as of today with a career high K rate and a career low walk rate at this point in the season. And honestly, y'all, I think it might be time to ask ourselves if the Rockies really won the Nolan Arenado trade. (laughs) <laughs> i don't i don't think so jordan agree to disagree that's all i have to say about that anyways moving on let's talk about logan gilbert yeah we're just gonna skate right past that too we don't linger on things that are debatable uh i would talk about gilbert a little bit uh logan gilbert had a pretty good outing in his last outing schwebsy i know that made you pretty happy it did so he is now on a string of three straight good appearances or at least at least mediocre. Uh, Oakland twice, and then today against the Angels. And so one of those starts I was pretty happy with, the first start against Oakland. The second start against Oakland was a decent line, really, really fluky way of getting there. Like he gave up like 10 hard-hit balls. I was watching that game. It was a lot of hard lineouts. But today's game against Los Angeles, the the Angels, this is what I've been waiting for. Gilbert started yesterday, uh, I guess, because I assume you're listening to this on Monday, uh, and he finally found one of his secondaries. The slider was so legit today. He picked up nine whiffs on 20 swings, which led to an overall package picking up 20 whiffs 
at a 36% whiff rate. That's really, really good for a single start. That's fantastic. He might, he might, he might wind up getting the, uh, but is, is that the King Cole or the Golden Goal? I can never remember which is which. I want to say that that is the Golden Goal, but I cannot yeah. remember. I'm sorry. I'm a bad company man. Is what I'm saying right so now. If, sorry, if what, apologies. Sorry, can I just quick? I just wanted to quick apologize to uh, Daddy Wetcakes, Nick Pollock. I'm going to keep saying that as much as possible because I'm very happy with that nickname. Anyways, continue, Schwepsy. I, I feel like for the sake of brevity, we should just go with Daddy Wetcakes. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's funnier. But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, watching his previous start, uh, the one against Oakland where he just gave up all that hard contact. It was real. It was like painfully obvious that the other team, Oakland was just sitting on his fastball because nothing else was working, but clearly that game plan did not work today for Anaheim, Los Angeles of Anaheim, whatever. Uh, I don't know that this is quite a signal that you need to pick Gilbert up immediately in every league, like in the way that like Terry Scoobles recent slider production has been a signal. But with Gilbert's next start being at Cleveland, I absolutely love targeting that as a stream. And, you know, maybe you want to pick him up early so that you're guaranteed to get that stream. But after that, it looks like he's going to get Tampa Bay at home, and then he's going to be at U.S. Cellular Field for the Chicago White Sox. So I'm a lot less enthused about those starts. But similar to Scooble, if he can get at least one secondary working, like on a consistent basis... I like his chance to perform in just about any start, like significantly more. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of his three best starts coincided with low fastball usage. Basically, uh, his two lowest fastball usage starts of the season were that first start against Oakland and then today against LA. Uh, Given his prospect profile coming out of the minors, I do believe that Gilbert can figure things out and get at least one of his two supposedly good breakers to work. I really, I I can't stress enough how bad his knuckle curve has been so far. It's like all over the place. He misses high inside, outside. He just cannot locate his knuckle curve so far. So it's likely that the slider is going to be the thing that needs to click for him to like succeed at this time. And that's what we saw uh, yesterday. And that's what we're really hoping for in the coming starts. Like if his slider is really good against Cleveland, in his next start, which uh, I believe is going to be Friday because they're running out a six-man rotation in Seattle. Yes. Uh, I Like I said, I, I want to add Gilbert. I'm starting him no matter what uh, against Cleveland where I have him. And if that slider makes an appearance against Cleveland, then I feel a lot more confident running him out against Tampa Bay. And that Tampa Bay start is going to kind of color how I, I view him looking forward. Um. I think he's either an add, stream, and drop, or add, stream, and stash, depending on how deep your bench is, how deep your league is. If you can afford to drop him now, uh, you know, drop him after the Cleveland start and wait a little bit and then pick him up after Chicago, I might do that. But uh, I, I really kind of believe in the talent. So wherever I have the room, I'm stashing him. Kind of similar to Spencer Howard last week, but at this point in time, I trust Gilbert more than I trust Spencer Howard. Totally fair. Yeah. And then obviously like IL situations and bench spots, notwithstanding, obviously, like if you can hang on to him, I think that'd be okay too. I mean, I will say that I'm not super convinced by Gilbert yet. And again, like you talked about the big thing for me is like, he really is 
super dependent on making that secondary pitch in his slider work, right? And that knuckle mm-hmm. curve, every time I've seen him throw it, he has no clue where it's going. It feels like it's ugly. It's bad. It's bad. So I'd be interested to see if that's something that's going to remain consistent or maybe he just has days where he has it or doesn't. I don't really know. I would love to see him find three working pitches, but yeah. Well, um, a mildly encouraging thing uh, other than the slider is that he did get a few whiffs on his changeup yesterday also, which would be, uh, is also a welcome development. Uh, You know, if, if he could, you know, get two, two and a half pitches working, then I I think he could be a, a viable starter in fantasy this year. Yeah, I know. I remember uh, on Twitter, renowned uh, Seattle Mariners fan, Mikey Ahedo, was talking about how he thought that the changeup was actually Gilbert's best secondary of the day. Ooh, interesting. Uh, At least early on in the start, I should say. Yeah, because he threw the slider like uh, uh, 30-ish times and then the changeup only like eight or ten times, I believe. Exactly. But he got three whiffs on it, right? Yes. I think it was three whiffs on three swings, if I recall correctly. Pretty darn good. We'll take that. But yeah, I mean, if that changeup can emerge as a really reliable third offering, then I'm much higher on Gilbert than I previously was. I will say that. Um, As far as pitchers in that uh, organization, uh, I'm more of a George Kirby guy myself, but I do really like a few of the things that I've seen from Gilbert so far, but yeah, good call out Schwebs. Uh, let's move on here. Unless, did you have anything else on Gilbert before I scoot on? No, let's go. All right, cool. All right. Let's shoot on over to Lucas Sims. Let's talk about Sims. Uh, I'm surprised that he is only 14% owned between ESPN and Yahoo leagues. That is really surprising to me, both one considering his role and two, his stat cast page is just bright, bright, brightly red. It matches his jersey beautifully. <laughs> this man and his puns. <laughs> That's what I deal with every week. But yeah, so uh, Lucas Sims kind of embodies that whole uh, Spincinati uh, thing that they've got going on over there as his he's got like 98th or 99th percentile fastball spin and curveball spin. Uh, and like we said, his baseball savant page is pure red. But the the only thing that's really holding him back is the one bit of blue on his page, which is his walk rate. Uh, There's good news here, though, as Sims has only walked two batters in his last eight innings, which has coincided with him kind of getting and running away with the closer role. It looked like it was a little bit up in the air for a moment as uh, it could have gone to either TJ Antone or Sims. But it looks like the team has decided that they they would rather have uh, Antone in more of a fireman role, which makes sense given Antone's background as a starter. Yeah. Uh, so there's not too much to talk about here. Like Lucas Sims kind of is who he's been all along. Uh, we've always known that he's had the the uh, filthy breakers and uh, the the potential to be a really shutdown reliever, and it seems like he's got the closer job. This is fantasy baseball. Closers get rostered. So roster Lucas Sims. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd be doing this immediately. Uh, I just picked him up in at least one league. Uh, I know I picked him up in the Pitcherlist staff league that we uh, are all hyper competitive in. Uh, and something that I've done in a couple of leagues where I can afford to roster multiple relievers is I added both Antone and Sims so that I'm guaranteed to get any Cincinnati saves while also getting those sweet, sweet strikeouts and ratios from those mm-hmm. two. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just disappointed that they still haven't made Antone a starter. I thought they were going to make him a starter at some point this year and try to build him up. But I mean, he's 
absolutely killing it in his um in his fireman role so i can't really complain too much because his ratios are still outstanding but he's kind of in a limbo but sims having that role is very very valuable and again 14 percent owned is way too low in my opinion yeah i think i think he's got four or five saves now usually by the time a closer has that many saves like they're owned everywhere yeah, have caught on but in this case not yet so i mean go out and get sims if you can i feel like he's pretty well locked into that role at this point um Let's see here. Let's move on to, we had a couple more pitchers to talk about here. Let's quick, we wouldn't be a fantasy baseball podcast if we didn't talk about the breaking news from today, the day that we're recording this. Uh, Jackson Coar, Kansas City Royals prospect, is getting called up to start tomorrow against the Angels. Um, we just found that out earlier today. Uh, just some really quick stuff on Coar. We're not going to spend too much time on him. He has a 5-0 record in six starts so far this year in AAA with a .85 ERA and a .88 whip with a 41 to 10 K to base on ball ratio over 31.2 innings. I'm going to say that's, uh, um, I'm trying to say, what am I trying to say? Oh, it's pretty good. It's like really right. good. Yeah. That'll, that'll play. Um, uh, Coar is almost exclusively a fastball changeup pitcher, but the changeup is like really, really good. They currently have it rated on fan graphs as a 70 grade pitch. So that's going to be his main outgetter. That's going to be his main secondary pitch. He also has like a get him over curveball that's kind of uninspiring, but at least he has that third offering. Um, it's also worth noting the Angels are 19th in the league in ex-woba against right-handed pitchers so far this year. So the matchup feels semi-solid. Uh, also kind of worth noting is that Kowar lines up for a two-start week this week if he stays up with a big league club for the entire week. Uh, his second start would likely be against the A's, uh, who are ranked eighth against righties in Exwoba on the season. So I would be hesitant to run him out against them until after we see how he does in his start against Los Angeles. Against the Angels, I should say, just to be clear. Um, Schwebzy, any feelings on Kowar? Are you planning on picking him up in any leagues? I don't think so. I think, I think I've been burned by too many young starting pitchers so far this year. And uh, Kowar, I, I just... I don't trust the four seam, two seam change up uh, profile. We actually, we talked a little bit about this in the Twitch chat with uh, Joe Lowry of Prospects Live. That's uh, Jay Hook, if you're familiar with his yes. uh, Twitch handle. Uh, I don't, like, I need to do more looking into this because I need to see exactly what the movement profile on his two seamer and change up are like. But I, if, if he doesn't have a second breaker that moves in the other direction, generally, like unless the changeup is really, really elite and has either great movement or great velocity differential, and he might have that, but uh, generally, uh, if if you don't truly have a great difference there, the uh, changeup and two seamer don't pair very well together. So we'll see how that works out. He might wind up being like a soft contact, low K guy in the majors which is, you know, still a positive thing, but it's not something that I'm rushing out to get. Yeah, exactly. If he's a guy that's going to be nibbling at the edges of the zones and stuff like that, and that's how he's been getting his Ks in the minors, that might not play up as well when he's in the majors, when he's facing people who have better plate discipline and have a better eye at the plate. So definitely worth noting, but I mean, definitely, I mean, he's only 3% owned in most leagues. In a lot of cases, by the time we've recorded this, um, waivers have already processed so the ownership numbers probably aren't going to go up very much i wouldn't think um but he's probably still going to be out there for you to maybe try to stream him against the a's if you feel like it again they're going to be at oakland for that game so at least it's like a good pitcher's park in theory 
But again, the A is really, really good at hitting right-handers. So be cautious with him, um, but keep an eye on him. Uh, moving on to our last pitcher here before we get to some real quick hits at the end of the episode. Let's talk about Joe Ross very, very quickly here, Schwebzy. Uh You dug into him a little bit. You weren't really sure what you were going to find. What did you see in Joe Ross? Well, I, I expected to find better. Uh, as loath as I am to talk about anything associated with the Washington Nationals as a Mets fan, here we are, uh, Joe Ross. Uh, in his last three starts, Ross has 15 strikeouts in 15 innings while putting up a 2.4 ERA and a base runner per inning, which is great, right? No. No, it is not. Turns out that I get to talk smack about a National, which makes me happy on the inside. This was one of those fun times, and I say that sarcastically, when I pick someone to talk about, do some research, and then went, oh, never mind, I don't actually like this guy. Uh, There's nothing exciting in the profile that I can point to and be like, oh, this will work for an extended period of time. And on top of that, he's given up eight runs or more twice already this year, and one of those games was against Arizona, which you would think is a good stream, Uh, and because they're not very good. Even with his recent stretch of three starts which has been really good he gave up a three-run home run in one of those starts but they were all unearned runs and while those are you know that's fine for his line in fantasy that's bad when you're thinking about like how he's going to perform in the future because uh yeah we, we don't like dingers and he gives up a lot of dingers and i say that from a pitcher's perspective because in general i do love a dinger yes but so don't let the recent stretch fool you the good games are unpredictable. He's had good games against the Yankees. He's had good games at Philadelphia against the Braves, but like he also has blowups at odd random times. I do not trust him. Uh, I would not roster him on any of my teams that I can think of. Maybe in a deep NL only, maybe. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very out on this. Yeah, this feels like a very classic case of a cherry bomb guy who can be like fantastic one outing and then all of a sudden, like again, like you said, blow up for eight plus earned runs. Uh, even that in another running that's absurd i want more upside out of my cherry bombs exactly yeah i mean 15 i mean 15 strikeouts over 15 innings is good um i don't know what his season totals are offhand obviously i don't think his strikeout totals are actually that high it's like 49 in 55 innings or something i believe i I didn't think he was like a strikeout per like per inning pitch type guy either it's like eight, eight and change per nine yeah so uh i'm kind of in the same boat as you on this one i know that a few people I've seen want Joe Ross to be a little bit more than he actually is, but I just, again, I also do not see it. Um, Joe, Joe Ross also again, wants I've, I've, Joe Ross to be a little bit more than he is. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely caught myself before as a Brewer fan wearing my uh, blue and gold uh, tinted glasses and thinking that someone was going to be better than they actually are. But um, yeah, just nothing to really see with Joe Ross in my opinion. Um, let's see here. Someone that we wanted to mention real quick because he already clear like he went from being almost completely unowned to clearing the twenty percent ownership cap in a matter of like between the two episodes that we recorded. Patrick Wisdom, uh, again, we would talk about him. He's already cleared that twenty percent cap, so it's not really our wheelhouse anymore. I will say though that it's been great seeing him find a groove after spending almost his entire ten-year professional career. Uh, in the minor leagues outside of some very brief stints with both the Cardinals and Rangers. Um, Don't try to overspend on picking up Patrick wisdom. If he's still available in your leagues, he might be fine to pick up for like the meantime, but his playing time is going to be threatened soon enough by the eventual returns of not only Matt Duffy, but also Nico Horner and David Bodie. That's three more infielders. Also 
they're talking about moving Chris Bryant back to the back to third base as well. So that's going to threaten his playing time too. Um, just monitor all those respective rehab assignments and see when they're coming back and just don't chase him too hard unless you can get him for almost free. Like don't spend too many fab dollars on him, please. Yeah. That's about where I'm at too. Yeah. Um, let's end the show here. Let's take a minute and talk about some quick hitters and like literally quick hitters. We're going to talk about some guys that you maybe can target for some stolen base help here. Um, let's start out with Bradley Zimmer real quick. So Bradley Zimmer was someone that Kevin Hastings brought up in his fab article that posted on the night that we're recording this Sunday night and pointed out that Zimmer should be in the lineup against the Mariners for three games this week. And with only a five game week ahead, he could be a really good string bet if you need help with steals. Uh, Zimmer is 27 for 30 career on his stolen base attempts and has a pretty good sprint speed. Uh, and the nice thing about it being only a five-start week that's usually a downside is that he's a 225 career hitter, and you don't want that batting average to drag you down too much in your leagues. So um, a guy that you might be able to sneak out a couple steals from this week, if you're lucky, uh, is Bradley Zimmer. I thought this was a pretty good call out, honestly. I'm sorry, that is... 2020 TGFBI winner Kevin Hastings to you? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm sorry for not using his proper title. How dare you, Kevin? I would like to formally apologize. Uh, sorry, uh, 2020 TGFBI winner Kevin Hastings. I would like to apologize formally for not using the correct given name. But the other guy we wanted to talk about here, Harold Ramirez, is uh, another one of those aforementioned uh, new new. Team Schwebzy members in TGFBI, as I just uh, I just uh, dropped like a twenty dollar bid on him to uh, replace Mike Talkman, who has disappointed me greatly. Disappointed both of us after we talked him out. That's another that's another failure on our part. Talkman was you're dead to me, Mike Talkman. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. So Harold Ramirez is a nice kind of do it all glue guy. Seemingly, uh, he's had positive stretches before. He uh, puts the bat on the ball occasionally pops one over the fence, gets a steal every now and then. And at this moment, he is playing every day in a prime lineup spot. And he doesn't steal a ton of bases, but he is super fast, which means, you know, he's going to every now and then. So, you know, we're, we're not talking like an Adalberto Mondesi here, but he is going to be opportunistic from time to time. And, you know, he's, he's fast enough to convert those chances when he takes them. So, uh, yeah. Cleveland is a garbage fire and uh, Harold Ramirez is going to have every chance to succeed there in the outfield. Absolutely. Yeah. And then also just to like note too, he's been batting between fourth and sixth in the lineup recently when he's been getting his, his run out there. So, I mean, a pretty good spot in the lineup overall, even though it's not necessarily an inspiring lineup by any means, uh, which means that the counting stats might be in line, at least in terms of uh, RBIs, potentially the hit tools, halfway decent and yeah that 88th percentile sprint speed makes me think that he could eke out a steal or two for you so yeah i mean only two percent owned between espn and yahoo leagues it's another guy that if you need those stolen bases go grab him um the last guy that we're going to talk about quick here is miles straw as well i was pretty high in miles straw coming into the season i know i know a lot of people were thinking that he was going to be potentially leading off for the astros there was talk of that for a bit and then that did not pan out he ended up sticking near the bottom of the lineup instead, and that's still the case. He's still hitting in the eighth spot most days, which kind of caps his opportunities to accumulate like most of the counting stats. But over the past couple of weeks, his bats picked up. In 42 plate appearances over the past two weeks, he's hit 286, which has raised his total for the season to 244. 
And he's nabbed a couple stolen bases in that time too. So we know that he's fast with 94th percentile sprint speed and he's an absolute fixture in center field. Like he's not being pushed by anyone for that spot. So as long as he's healthy, he should nab you some more stolen bases as the season chugs along. And again, only 10% owned in T or sorry, in ESPN and Yahoo leagues. Yeah. It's not often you can find stolen bases so readily available in so many leagues. Absolutely not. Yeah. So straw, definitely someone that I think folks should target if you need that stolen base help. Um, Shubsy, was there anyone else that we wanted to touch on real quick? Uh, not really. No. I mean, uh, we we did we did want to briefly, really briefly touch on the fact that Evan Longoria is out for sixty days, and the Giants tend yeah. to the, the Giants tend to turn out random producers uh, out out of every roster spot, seemingly. So uh, Donovan Solano is someone to keep an eye on. Lamonte Wade Jr. is someone to keep an eye on. He's been hitting leadoff. He has like three home runs already, which is shocking every time I realize it. Yeah. Um, Willie Castro hitting really really well for Detroit right now, uh, but. Other than those couple uh, quick hits, that's I think that's all we got. All right, excellent. Uh, that's all we got for this week then. Thank you to everyone once again for joining us for this week's episode of In the Deep. We appreciate it. Also, a special thanks to those folks who hung out with us while we prepped for the podcast. We had, I think, the most people that we had in the stream at any point so far this year, right? Yeah, yeah, new high. We got to double digits. It's insane. I'm really glad that now I can settle and not go for any more. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out to Jenny Butler who hopped in the chat as well. Yes. That was very, very nice. Thank you for joining us, Jenny. We appreciate it. Thank, thank um, you for finally supplanting Yancey as our most famous fan. Exactly. Thank you so much. Uh, again, if you want to join us for any Sunday night streams that we do, we, we go live usually around 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday nights. And that's going to be over at Schwebzy's Twitch channel. That's twitch.tv backslash Schwebzy. And again, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at our shared account at in the deep PL or individually at, again, Schwebzi, that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I, or Bunt Singles for me. And then be sure to like and subscribe and leave a review for our podcast on whatever podcast platform you happen to find us on, whether that be Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And with that, we'll see you next week. Schwebzi, send them out. Bye, friends.